This is the final recording. Welcome to Mystic Pirates Podcast. We are two lifelong seekers who want to normalize mysticism and cultivate a community of like-minded people. Our podcast is about the pursuit of happiness, fun, and inspiration. Join us each week as we discuss what we're reading, doing, watching, and learning. We join ancient wisdom with modern culture and promote life-elevating practices to bring happiness and growth to our listeners and their everyday lives. Welcome to Mystic Pirates. I'm your host, Lance, with my co-host, Jacqueline. No football on. It's our first Sunday since the Super Bowl. And I always I always get kind of weird. I'm like, man, what are we gonna do on Sunday? Because you know, there's not, you know, we do other things besides watch football, but usually we have our day planned around it, like, oh, we're gonna go here first or after, whatever. Anyway, but there's no football for like six or seven months. So obviously over half the year we're not watching football. But last week we watched the Super Bowl. We watched the Los Angeles Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals. I was rooting for the Bengals. Doesn't matter. They lost. But we had a little Super Bowl feast, and we talked about it last week, about what we've done in the last Super Bowl. So this Super Bowl, we decided to have kind of like a seafood feast. We had some scallops, which came out fantastic. We yeah. uh, we also had some, uh, we made some uh, vegetables. Made the, uh, we used our new air fryer. We used, I pretty much used all of our kitchen equipment. Yeah, we had the air fryer, so we had these little new potatoes. We had the asparagus, obviously the scallops that I mentioned. Um, you made a couple of ribeye. We split a ribeye, a big ribeye. It was delicious. It kind of. I had a couple of bites because I didn't realize this, but I guess I don't like the marbling. Yeah, I love. I mean, ribeye is pretty much my favorite. I like a, a fillet too, too but um, but we were we were on the fence. Good fillets of ribeye. I was happy with either. We got the ribeye, and I liked it. And then. What we had planned to do was we were going to buy king crab. And uh, I mentioned, Jacqueline's like, I want it fresh. And I remember I mentioned in the last episode that you'd have to tackle a king crab off the boat in Alaska to get it that fresh because they're all frozen. But I'm like, yeah, we're going to have no problem finding king crab. Well, we couldn't find any. We ended up not being able to find any, and uh, which was okay. We were going to go uh, s- snow crab, but that's not my favorite. A lot of work for a little bit. So um, Jacqueline called me from a store that uh, – that she was shopping at and said, how about lobster? And I said, how was my reaction? You were like, okay. And I, I really wanted to make a surf and turf dinner. This was Lance's Valentine's day uh, meal. And I just didn't want it to just be like steak. I really wanted to be decadent. And I've always, I'm not, I don't think I've ever had lobster like, from a, like you know, I, like on a lobster um, shell, you know what okay. I mean. Like maybe I've had lobster bisque in my life, but okay. I, I don't think I've had lobster. So I just know that it's decadent, and you know, people have it when they want something really indulgent. And so I was excited about buying it and cooking it, and you were lukewarm about it. Well, you called me and you said, I mean, I like lobster, but I don't, I don't think I've really ever ordered lobster more than a. <laughs> few times like out at like a nice restaurant and I do like it and I've made it sometimes, but those lobster tails that you get, I don't know. They never really, maybe I just don't like lobster, but they don't come out the best usually, but I still like it because it's such a decadent, nice thing to eat. And you at, Hey, lobster. I was like, all right. 
get some lobster. So he did. We got a couple of lobster tails. And I tell you what, the presentation was fantastic. I it mean, it looked so good. And I, and I followed those directions and I really put a lot of heart into it and they were disgusting. Yeah. They were split. You split them down the middle and they were like flowered out and it was so, I don't know. That's not even a term. And then I put, I used like the clarified butter. You had the clarified butter on the side, which was great, but it was, I mean, the, the lobster was out there. It was good, but I don't know. It just didn't taste that great. It was okay. I mean, I was, it wasn't like unedible by any stretch, but it just wasn't the big thing. I tell you what though, that ribeye was fantastic. And I would be happy with like a ribeye or a, a filet with like a skewer of uh, uh, scallops and then maybe have like a, a shrimp appetizer before. So from cocktail, but I'll it was still a mind. delicious meal. It was, it's just sometimes, you know, things don't work out exactly how you like it, but it was still good. Another thing about the Super Bowl is me and my buddy Z talked about before. Usually we have like these kind of weird bets. Everybody bets on the Super Bowl. It's just the thing. It's like the biggest betting day. It's actually a stupid day to bet. Um, if you're really gambling, don't bet on that game. You bet on other stuff because not that day, but earlier in the season, because the Super Bowl is so heavy on bets and they have two weeks to kind of make the bookies do have two weeks to make the lines kind of close. And so anyway, a Super Bowl is always a, a dumb gamble, but it's always fun. And um, what me and my buddy Zidi did, um, we decided to come up with like five bets. It had to be like opposite an odd number so that we would pay off. There would be a winner basically, but what we don't bet money, what we bet is just stupid shit. So Z's like, hey, somebody has to wear the, the winner actually buys a T-shirt for the other person to wear out in public. But it can't be anything crazy. It can't be anything like political or or something ridiculous. So I'm anxious. I lost, by the way, but I'm anxious to see what my T-shirt will be. But what our bets were one year. This is uh, kind of how this starts about, I don't know, Super Bowl 48. And it was uh, Seattle versus Denver. And Z calls me a little bit before the game and he's like, Hey, um, let's make some stupid bet on this game. Like I'm going to say there won't be a, or there'll be a safety. Let's bet for five bucks. And I'm like, okay, dude, I would have bet $5 million that there wouldn't be a safety. I probably wouldn't have, but I would have bet a lot of money and no shit. The first play of the game, there was a kickoff and like the first play of the game, the Broncos had the ball and the center snapped it right over Peyton Manning's head out of the back of the end zone safety. So I immediately call, I believe I was watching the game at actually at Tampa stadium. Cause they had a, for a couple of years there, when I had season tickets, they had a super bowl party. And then I think the NFL put the kibosh on that because no one would give me a straight answer on why they didn't do it anymore, but it was kind of fun because you got to go up to like club level and then just watch the game there and just drink. And it was cool. And I remember watching, I, I think I was there then. And I, uh, I called him immediately. I'm like, Jesus, are you Nostradamus? Because that's crazy. So what we, what him and I decided to do this year is to kind of extend the bet so that it would make it the whole game fun to watch. So we had an over-under, which is the total score at the end. And then we had the amount of turnovers. Over-under was two and a half. So three turnovers, that person wins. If they took that, if they took the over, two or less, the, the person that took the under gets that. And then we had the first team to score and the last team to score. And also we threw a weird one in there. Will there be a missed extra point? So long story longer, um, I lost and I lost on the, I had the, uh, I had the missed extra point, even though Z picked it. He goes, there won't be one. Well, there was one. So that kept me in the game for a while. Turnovers I lost, 
the over under I lost. And then um, I believe we had the, oh, first and last to score. Anyway, I lost. So I don't, I'm anxious to see he's coming down here in April. So I'm anxious to see what kind of a shirt I'm going to have to wear. So Jacqueline had a bet on the game too. And that was kind of a weird bet. What was it? That one of the players was going to cry. And they did. I know. Except I, the only problem is you didn't have, you didn't have a bet with anybody. But I he know. Did right I, just on camera. Sh- I just shattered it <laughs> into the air. And it, was, it wasn't like as he was doing it. It was like pre-game. She's like, after the Super Bowl, there will be a guy on camera crying. And it happened. Yeah, because I wanted to be in on the weird bets. I feel like mine was the most obscure. Oh, there's no doubt about it. You would have won a zillion dollars on that. So those of you guys who aren't from Florida may have heard of this, may have not. There's a thing that we do down here called Gasparilla. And it's like a, a big party. People compare it to Mardi Gras, although it's a little different. We have a parade. Uh, they throw beads. A lot of women show their boobs. Um, there's a lot of all a lot of other stuff that goes along with it, too. There's a run. We really milk it. It's all about pirates. It is. And it's pirate like, culture. Yes. And the lore of Jose Gaspar, who came to Tampa. We, it's not even proven that this is a real thing. Most people say it's not. And so usually the pirate, the mystic crew, which is basically a bunch of businessmen in Tampa, and there's a bunch of different crews come in and they usually the week before there's a thing where they talk to the mayor and they're like, you give up the key to the city and the mayor says no. And then they come back the next week and invade quote unquote and, uh, and have a big party and a big fun. And it's, I remember one year it was, uh, the Super Bowl was going to be here and they wouldn't, they had to move it because it was not inclusive, they said, you know, in Gasparilla was a full of just a bunch of white people. And so since it wasn't, and this was a long time ago, and they called it like Bombaleo, they had to change the name of it and everything. And then as soon as the Super Bowl was over the what? next year, they went, yeah, they went right back to Gasparilla. No, no doubt. Yep, yeah, it happened. Look it up. And then, so anyway, we're back to Gasparilla and they have a night parade. They have a children's parade. They have a run that I always do. And, but, Tampa, I love Tampa, but they are, they do milk the Gasparilla thing for for like a month and a half, maybe two. But it's it's during a time of year when we need something to celebrate for sure. So it's usually like February, maybe January to March, I would say. Right. Um, or Gasparilla activities, and then Gasparilla is in February. This used to be my favorite holiday. Well, the main thing if, in it is it's a big party. I mean, especially the you know, the parade in the day and the night parade. So when you were like, I don't know, starting to get out and I'm not saying party age, not like legally 21. Cause everybody parties before that. When did you start going to Gasparilla? Do you remember? Yeah, I've been going since I was a little girl and I, my grandfather's a judge. And so he, he would get invited to these really um, nice catered parties that were in like high rises and you could watch the parade from above and all the very civilized. Um, but what's so funny is that you have all of these people that are, you know, quote unquote, like, They're like the movers and shakers around yeah, town and shit. judges, lawyers, business people. And then it's, they dress up as pirates and a lot of times a woman will like show, you know, smile or show her, maybe show her boobs. Definitely at the night parade. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and, and then, um, oh, and there's like the pirates will give just like people on the streets kisses. It's all, it's so much debauchery. 
And it's so fun though, or at least it used to be. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would like it anymore, but you would, we would go to, okay. So I went when I was a child and that was really fun. Cause I could like squeeze myself up front. And then it was all, it's all about getting like the best beats. And later on, I remember when I was in high school, that's when it got really fun. And I had a friend, Victor, who had, his parents had a house on, on Bayshore and Bayshore is the street where the Gasparilla Parade is. It's right on the water. It's the longest sidewalk in the world, right? The longest unbroken sidewalk okay. in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's on the water. It's 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 kind of a spe- it's really special and unique, and in a really expensive area too. So if you have a house on Bayshore, like you've got a lot of money. Right? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, there's yeah. mansions. It's awesome. I I remember um, there's some condos like off this off of Bayshore a couple and one of the first ones I looked at and these weren't like crazy they were I mean I could I could have gotten into one but it was it, what was cool about it was like man you could just walk right down all the streets are closed however if you live down there I mean that's just part of the deal but it's kind of a pain in the ass too because usually the people on right on Bayshore that have these mansions they have it like blocked off so that no one's basically pissing in their yard and stuff but you walk a block or two I've I know people that used to live around there and they it can be a pain in the ass because there's a bunch of just drunk people if wandering you around. Live you know? there, you're signing up for a Gasparilla, Correct. Uh, and and um and you're probably gonna have to host a party. Well, yeah, and you know yeah. what? That's part of it, man. Yeah. I mean, I would like if if I got that condo, if I would have ended up buying it, would I would have be been into it. Yeah, and I would have yeah. been like, it would have sucked like driving home that week and trying to park with everything. Like a special pass, you do, yeah. yeah. But it's still you gotta walk, you gotta go through these checkpoints and shit. It, it's. I think there would have been a time in my life that I would have loved it. Totally. It was, I, I thought it was so fun because you would run into just people from your, from other high schools or you would run into, like, it was just such a nice way to um, see everybody. And it, everyone was having a good time. But I remember like this guy in high school was the head of um, that non-smoking group. What's it called? I have no idea. Oh, there was a group that was like against tobacco. All right. Uh, I should think I should know the name, but I don't. Um, and then I saw him at Gasparilla smoking a cigarette. Yeah, exactly. That that's like I think that's Gasparilla in a nutshell. It is. Yeah. yeah people just kind of leave whatever. They'll just do whatever. They don't care. <laughs> it's fun. I don't um, want to go. Uh, I've I've actually only been. I was I been when I was a kid, and I went like one time in uh, when I was probably twenty twenty one. I would like to go to it. I've I've thought about it the last couple of years, but if I go. It's kind of like what you alluded to before. I want to go to like where there's a, it's a corporate dude where I can, I have a tent that I can just sit at and beers easily available. And I have a portal at there because it can be a nightmare. You know, you just kind of have to be in the mood to yeah. do that. And I'm, I'm just not usually, although I do like, I like the fact that we have it. I think it's cool. Right. There's a bunch of boats like Bayshore Boulevard's right on the bay there. So like, I think it's actually um Hillsborough Bay and could be wrong. And it's cool. I mean, there's a there's hundreds of boats sitting out there. And I mean, it's, it's a really cool event. It's just like, man, do you want to be, I want to get in and out of there. You know, I want to be, I don't want to have to wait in traffic to get there and traffic to get out. Right. And the Uber, like the surge is like times oh, 10. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm but, sure. But um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much going on right now in Tampa. And they do milk it. Like it's in, not in a bad way, but like there was, there's a Gaspilla run that um I was going to do this weekend. No, the 26th, I think it is. And uh, me and my mom, but we just can't, she's injured. And plus it's kind of just, you got to wear a mask and it's like, what the fuck? I mean, it's, it's, 
it sounds like a real pain in the ass, but normally we were doing that every year. We've done it for the past. That's so nice. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, but we're not going to do that, but that's okay. But then they have an art festival. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of goes into the umbrella of Gasparilla. And I think it's a great thing for the community. Obviously it's, it's a money, you know, it's a big money grab, but it's also great. I mean, it, it's great for, it's part of our culture. It is. It's very unique to Tampa and I like it. I Me like too. it. So that's going on right now. Are you happy? I mean, it's in the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> or is it? Ben Franklin said, quote, the U.S. Constitution doesn't guarantee happiness, only the pursuit of it. You have to catch up with it yourself, end quote. So we watched a documentary uh, last night called Happy by Rocco Bellick, and uh it's basically a film that was inspired by a 2005 New York Times article called A New Measure of Well-Being from a Happy Little Kingdom by Andrew Revkin. And in this article, he uh, explains that the United States was ranked 23rd on a list of the happiest nations in the world, which seems crazy to me. It seems low. Much poorer countries were easily surpassed us in the happy kind of nutshell. This, this is, I'm quoting this, happy makes a compelling argument that once basic necessities like food and shelter are provided for, economic factors have relatively little to do with overall satisfaction in life. I know I've told the, this story before, but I think it bears repeating. The Dalai Lama, who's actually in this movie as well, you can find this on uh what was the you can rent it on Amazon? It costs money. Um, but there's like an app called Tribble or something where you can watch it for free, but it has ads and like right, it can be annoying. Yeah. But um, and I'm just gonna preface this just to let you know, just truth be told, that I don't think the movie was that great, but I think there's a bunch of good takeaways in the movie. The reason why I didn't like the movies that much is they they focused a long time on stuff that was like uh, we got the point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, this movie was a really important movie at the time. And I think it spurred a lot of conversations, a lot of derivative, um, things, but the movie itself is mediocre. Correct. So the quote about the Dalai Lama, I remember I told this story before I'm going to tell it again. Uh, he was in the United States. I heard this on David Letterman, I think. And, um, he kept going, he was going everywhere and he has an entourage and, he went snow skiing in Colorado, did this, that, and the other thing. So when he was in Colorado snow skiing, they um, had a waitress there. And everybody wants to ask this question, but nobody did. And I, I thought it was kind of, they were kind of dismissive, his entourage a little bit of the waitress, because she walked up to the Dalai Lama and she says, what's the meaning of life? And it's one of those things that, like, yeah, I mean, you're talking to the Dalai Lama, you kind of want to ask that. And he goes, well, the meaning of life is easy. And I remember when he said that, I'm like, oh, comes. The meaning of life is, is happiness. What is happiness? That's the real question. And this kind of delves into it. This documentary does. And there's a bunch of takeaways from this movie that I, I think are it's worth reading about this movie rather than kind of watching it. Or listening to us. Or listening to this podcast and sharing it with your friends. We'll give so, you the good tidbits. No doubt. So we're going to go into these uh, kind of points that the movie made and uh, briefly, and, and you guys can check it out either way. One is find your flow. Right. Um, basically they just said, you kind of just want to like know what you like to do. It's kind of like when you're in the zone, they have a guy, um, 
who's a surfer in Brazil, and he's like riding waves allows him to be present and keeps him from worrying about the small stuff. And I, I think that's important sometimes. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with all this little minutia of life and we don't really relax and enjoy just being. Well, is there something that you do that makes you in the flow? Like when you were playing soccer, did you feel in the flow? When, I did. When you're doing this? I like doing this. Yeah. When I was, I wasn't a big runner. Like I always hated running, but I'd still like to do it while I was doing it. I liked it. I yeah. didn't like going to do it. I felt that way. There's, there's, um, I think it changes in your life. My flow, like you said, was in, in zone was playing soccer. Like I, I remember just feel like there's some days that we were just in it, you right. know, but Where now time, you're not really keeping track of time and correct. And yeah. you're just, you're just not even thinking about anything that, except for what's happening. I like it now. I think my life is kind of in the flow sometimes, oh. you know, like when we kind of just chill out on a, on a weekend or after work, it's just, Oh, this is peaceful totally. and nice. Yeah. I definitely feel that when we spend time together, um, when we do the podcast, when I do a hypnosis session, absolutely. It's, it's really great. And with work, when I do a hearing, it's pretty good. Sometimes like I'll be in the flow. Not so much. Like sometimes it's annoying. When you're doing a hypnosis section session, do you think, I mean, you're almost trying to get the other person in the flow at that time. Um, does that, but you said you're in the flow. Does it, it doesn't come across as work. It's not hard for you. Not even a little bit. It's um, something where I don't feel like I can do it all day, every day. Um, it's really special. I feel like I go into like a heavenly realm and, um, and I'm like, my work is coming through me as opposed to me doing it. And, um, it, it has an impact on like my vibration and yeah, I love it. Um, and I'm sure you're not even supposed to feel the flow, so to speak all the time. That would be just right. weird kind of, you almost right. have to kind of get into those places. The other, the second one, and there's what's interesting about this movie, if you care to watch it, is they do kind of go to these stories, each one, like number two, to serve others. They go to where Mother Teresa in Calcutta, they go to her, I don't know what they called it, but it's it's a place for destitute people. And they talk to this guy and he's literally feeding people and wiping down their their mats that they sleep on and um, helping them go to the bathroom, all of this stuff. But the guy it, himself, he seems so happy. He's like- right. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy serving other people. And I think that some people that's like, I don't want to say calling, but that's their thing. They just, that's what they love Service to do. to others. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, anytime that I've done something where like that, I have felt it. Um, my parents and I would buy Thanksgiving meals for people, um, at this place called the the coffee shop and it's people that are, are usually homeless and have mental health issues. And it, and we would serve them. That was really important to me. We didn't just like buy the food and drop it off, but like we waited on them and served them and like looked them in the eyes and talked to them. And, um, and then I left anytime we did that, I would leave feeling like high. And I, I did some service trip to Nicaragua again, like what an incredible feeling, um, and anytime that I volunteered, uh, it's been a great feeling, but I don't know that that would be the case with all volunteering or all service. It has to be something that, um, resonates with me. Right. And it depends. I mean, what's your, what you, the point you talked about, I think it, that specifically serving people food and not just 
you know, here's a basket, of, here's a bag lunch. It makes them feel like a human being, mm -hmm. you know, and exactly. you sit there and there's, when's the last time? Yeah. Maybe these homeless people are getting food, but they're not sitting at a table and like in a person setting a, uh, a plate of food in front of them and, Hey, do you need anything? I don't think they get treated like that very right. often. You know, uh, it's exactly. such a simple thing, but it, it makes you feel it, it, it's a humanity thing. And when I do things for you, I feel really good. Um, I think, and, and I do th I remember hearing that when you do something for someone else, you actually get more out of it than the person who's receiving it. Yeah, I believe that there's no doubt about that. They have a, the third one is cultivate compassion. And I'm quoting this through intention. You can actively focus on becoming a happier person. And just so you know, there's a lot of, um, in this documentary, there's professors and stuff. This isn't just random people talking, uh, and we'll get to there's, there's science behind a lot of this. Uh, right here, this, um, monk, I don't know, the Tibetan monk, I believe he is known to be very compassionate and they actually did an MRI on his brain when he was trying to give compassion to somebody, just give it like, like think of it certain parts of his brain. Like, I don't know the science behind it, but were firing crazy. Like basically the compassion quote unquote parts of his brain were, were going off the charts when he was doing it. it. It's a phenomenon that's scientifically proven, but it's also, they don't really know why it's happening is you just good at it. And what, I thought what that, does that was that really, mean to you um, compassion or cultivating compassion. Well, I, I think you just, you, they tell you to write five things down well, like every gratitude? day to be gratitude, to be grateful about. Oh. And then, and then also that, sometimes can or it's supposed to transfer to the people that maybe you're, that you're trying to be compassionate to and they 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 feel it so to speak um i i it was i don't want to use the word crazy like in like an insane way but it was it was a very eye-opening um fact that i got from that mm -hmm. from the documentary i'm like wow that's you could almost will it right I, you know, I, one of my favorite practices is to start the day and list five things that I'm grateful for and five different things each day. And I talked about this in our manifesting episode, but it will have a huge impact on your outlook. And, and I'll sometimes text Lance, um, right after I do it and just, um, you know, let him know how grateful I am for him and for our relationship and our life, because it's so easy to start focusing on, okay, I don't have this, or I want this, or, you know, if I had this, I would be feel better. And when I take a second to be like, holy shit, I have my healthy body and I have, I live with the man of my dreams and I have a beautiful home and, you know, et cetera. You just, it, it, it shifts everything. Well, yeah, it helps you appreciate what you already have rather than and this is a quote, rather than fixing what you don't have. And when you send me stuff like that, it, not that I'm not thinking of things like that, you know, on a, on a regular basis as well, but it, it makes you feel good. It's like, Oh, let me focus on this. You know, like, you know, being appreciated yes. makes you kind of appreciate the other person. And it, it's just a great thing to, to hear throughout your day. Not that you have to do that to your partner every day or every hour, but it, it's nice, especially when it comes from a genuine place. It, it makes the person receiving it feel good as well as the person giving it. Yes. Yes. And, and so I don't know if that's what that um, is about or if it's about imagining yourself in that other person's shoes, but I would like to 
you know, as we're going through this, just give some practical um, examples and tips that you guys can use and implement um, to get happier. Yeah, no doubt. Performing random acts of kindness kindness is part of that. It's part of that cultivating compassion. So. I, I remember we've talked about Gretchen Rubin before, and she had this book called The Happiness Project before um, the tendencies. And she, I think, cited and said that really you only have control over 10% of your your happiness factor. Did she come up with that idea just randomly talking to a person? <laughs> exactly. Too? So again, I don't know where this is coming from, but I think it's an interesting point that um, a lot of it is is just you're hardwired to be a certain way. And, but you do have, um, some control over, over how happy you are. No doubt. This one is kind of just a thread that goes through just being a healthy, happy person. It's eat well and sleep lots. You know, I think we've gotten away from sleeping sometimes. Like people are like, oh, I only had now only four hours of sleep. I only need this. And people are totally different. Um, and we also do realize that a lot of this documentary, it goes across the world. They're trying to find happiness in different people in the world. We have a different makeup in our world because the eat well and sleep lots. This was um, Okinawa because Okinawa has the most hundred, hundred year olds per capita in the world. And they talk to these people and they say this one lady they, they specifically talked to who was 106 years old. And believe me, I know a lot of these are just anomalies, but she said she attributes her long life to to eating lots of vegetables, drinking sake every night. I'm on board and going to sleep early. Now, here's the thing, though. We, you know, they're farmers. So they were out and they were doing their vegetables and farming and then doing their life is different than ours. Like you can't I'm not saying she didn't put a number on it, but you can't really sleep 12 hours a day and get anything done if you need you know, to live, to have a job and stuff like that. And I don't we even don't know, know if sleeping 12 hours exactly. a day is healthy. You know what I mean? We don't know what she meant by sleep loss. That's true. Um, w- with that, though, they did show the culture in other parts of Japan. And there was, it was so sad. And it was people dying from exhaustion um, and working really hard and, and people on the subways falling asleep. And yeah, it's called Karolushi. And it's the opposite of that. And it's, um, it's literally dying, quote, dying from overwork. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that you, you do make a good point. I, I did he- hear someone talk about the fact that, you know, we have this trouble falling asleep. Um, it's like an epidemic and that's because we don't do anything all day. No doubt. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not waking up early and farming. We're not doing any, like not everybody, but we're not really exerting ourselves that much. So at night we're not, we're kind of like, we still have all this excess Energy in a way. Um, That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. With that Karushi, they um, it's they could do a whole documentary just on that. It's the culture in Japan, basically. I mean, Okinawa, that's in a rural area, the, the lady that they talk to, farmers and stuff like that. But when you start getting into the city, you people literally work themselves to death. They don't want to be looked upon as lazy. Go, you got to get there. And they have a whole... There was these women singing this song, and the lyrics to the song were basically the guy's dead, be strong woman and take care of your right. kids and stuff like that. It's awful. They um they have a uh and it says right here, it says there's a disproportionate number of centarians, basically hundred year olds in rural areas, especially in Okinawa, 
But in the cities, it's the opposite. It's there's people dying of working too much right. and their culture just needs to change. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you do that. This movie seems to place a lot of emphasis on a country being responsible for its people's happiness. They started it with um, the, you know, the constitution and the, and you know, the idea of the pursuit of happiness. And then they'll focus on these different areas, these different countries. And, and they really um, focus on the cultural or or country um, rather than taking personal responsibility for your happiness. And I don't, I'm not sure why that was the case. I, I think it's because there's so many, it's just their culture. Like if you're in the city say you're in Tokyo, in order to get ahead and to get what you want, and that's a whole nother aspect. You want material things or stuff like that. You have to do this. You have to work hard. There's no, there's no, you have to stay there 18 hours a day at work. Right. Because everybody else is. And it's, it's crazy. Priority but, number one was GDP, right? That's correct. The gross national product will get to Bhutan in a second, which they kind of flipped the script on that. Um, this one is a simple one, but so complicated. You have to aspire to the right goals. So a lot of people think, you know, a big home, a mm. badass car, a nice, nice clothes, you know, that's going to make you happier. And they say that like, in, it might in the moment, but it's very fleeting. Uh, and so instead of, ex, you know, kind of a going after these types of goals, um, you got to kind of focus on more intrinsic goals, find purpose, like in your community, personal growth. Uh, developing meaningful relationships. And I totally and completely agree with that. I'm not a big materialistic guy. Like I don't need like specifically a car. Like if we, you know, we talk about winning the lottery or something, I've never gone by like a, some badass Ferrari or something. That's just not me. But that doesn't mean that I don't like comfort. You know, I do want, you know, we talk about it all the time. We spend money when we go on trips is basically on convenience. And that usually costs more money because we want to stay in a nicer place because it's closer to the city center or we want to, um, go out to a nice restaurant because it's close by and they have excellent food. I don't mind spending money on stuff like that. Um, I, I think, I think it's on easy. experiences, experiences. And, and a lot of times the experiences that I like are convenience and comfort. So my goals would be convenience, not necessarily having this badass Mercedes, but having a, a, convenient way to get to work i guess you you would say you know i don't know there's a there's a there's a little bit of a difference mm -hmm. to that that's a i think that's one that is obviously personal yeah because there's a lot of people that are very happy that i mean almost don't have a pot to piss in you know they're just living wherever and they just they're happy though it's mm -hmm. it's very you know people like that in in he, in the country in just personal no yeah not people that are just you know living like almost homeless like that i think that's no when I was in Nicaragua and I was volunteering um, at this orphanage and, and in, it was like a third world area and they didn't really have anything. And they were the happiest children I've ever met. Like it kind of makes me tearful just because it was so emotional to see how, how little they had and how happy they were. And it really um, made me, question everything. I had a culture shock when I came back. It was, it was very difficult for me to come back. Um, and that's one of the things, I don't know if you can go backwards. You know, I don't like if you grow up in like in that environment, yeah, you probably are happy. But what, if we went from here, if I went from here to there to live, I wouldn't be happy. Well, maybe I, I need running water and I need a hot shower. I mean, I love that stuff that, you know, so that yeah. I think it's, it sucks kind of in a way because you kind of miss out, like maybe you miss out on the simplicity of life could make you 
much more happy, but it's almost too late sometimes because I don't want to live in a tent somewhere. Yeah. You know, I think that's that um, particular point coincides with the idea that at a certain point, um, like if you go from having $5,000 to $50,000, you'll be a lot happier with 50,000. But if you go from 50,000 and this was 10 years ago, so let's up it. If you go from a hundred thousand to a million, the amount of happiness is increased by just a small amount. Yeah. That part I agree with because I think once your needs are met, right? Correct. Like if you're, if I think there's a big difference between, Oh, I'm only making $12,000 a year and I go to a hundred thousand. Okay. You're probably okay on a hundred thousand, but a hundred thousand to a million. Yeah. I think the, the uh, amount of happiness is right. Is, is lessened. Right. Cause right. you do get a plateau. There's no doubt about it. now we're just doing shit. Cause we want to, we're eating, you know, I don't know, bald Eagle wings and drinking baby tears for dinner and shit. Is that making you happy where you could have a nice meal on, you know, a hundred grand. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to volunteer to accept that challenge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This one I found a little interesting because it's, I kind of hold on to like bad things a little bit too long. I not, not so much anymore, but recover after recover after adversity, adversity. So when bad shit happens to you, it doesn't take you as long as you think to get over it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with happiness. It, like if you get like a, Absolutely. I don't know, a new house or something, you're not as happy as long as you think you're going to be. Um, they go on and on about this one lady. Uh, and it's an awful story, but she she gets run over by a car. And we'll get to we'll get to why in a second because I have a few questions about that. But anyway, and they run over her face, and um, and it goes into these rocks. And so she she becomes a she she becomes a kind of deformed. You know, she has a she has a bad accident. She doesn't look anything like well as much like she did, and. It sucked and it, I'm sure it was awful, but what I didn't like about it is they really focused on how pretty she was before and how she, now she's not because she does look messed up, but it's like her home or all worth was almost being pretty. Like her son talked about, yeah, she was so pretty. And then she, you know, her husband divorced her and, and I was so pretty and, and it's like, okay, I get it. That was part of your identity, but is that all that you are? Maybe that the problem was is that it was a it, that it was keeping her from learning more about herself and and her uh, the other aspects of her when she was being praised and valued for her looks, um, and there and that was, was all she had right, and there was and there was no reason to maybe mine for um, other values, other other purposes, you know. But when that was taken away, I, she probably had to. You're right, and what's they don't delve into this too much, but the accident that actually happened, they show they're on this rural road, like on their own property. This is not like some two lane country road, you know, CR 14. It's on a country road and they're, they're on their own property. She goes, yes, I saw my sister-in-law coming down the other road. And I I thought immediately, Oh, they're going to hit each other. What's the chances? No, she goes, so she stopped and I stopped to talk to her and they, I don't remember the, the adjective she used, but you could tell it was, they weren't happy with each other. And so she got out of her vehicle, the lady who gets run over and she walks over to her, to the sister-in-law's vehicle and her husband, I believe the sister-in-law's husband was in the vehicle as well, but the sister-in-law was driving. And all she says is we had words and she says, and I grabbed her, um, like the door handle 
from the driver's side as she was pulling away and her hand got stuck. And so she fell and then the truck ran over her face. Okay. Awful accident. I want to know what the fuck were they stopping on this rural road for to fight? I mean, obviously there was some tension there. What, what's the storyline behind it? And yes, the sister-in-law shouldn't have peeled out like that, but what was this bitch doing? Was she like being an asshole and trying to fight her? So like maybe some of this was her fault. I'm okay. not, you know, I'm just saying. So let's, th- let's talk about the accident too. I'm not. You think that's, in, that would have um, added to the movie? I don't care if it adds to the movie or not, but, but I do think that it, she should say in there. Well, she probably shouldn't say it, but I would like to know. I just, out of personal curiosity, I want to know why you were even in that situation. Were you being all aggressive and maybe you wouldn't have got your face run over to begin with? Or was your sister-in-law being a total and complete yeah. crazy person? I mean, I want to know how that happened. Was she acting like a victim? She didn't say what was me, but she did say she was acting like a victim when she was talking about how her face was all fucked up now. And did she figure some stuff out? Because I fell asleep during this part. Yeah, she, well, she basically, yes, she figured out that, I guess, being pretty doesn't make you happy. (laughs) But did she, but when she um, had her face messed up, did she, was she a happy person? It took her a while. Now, Now she seemed happy. Okay. Okay. Um, I heard did, did she need to go through this fucking transformation, so to speak, or this whole like awful scenario and awful situation to get there? Maybe that was her journey. I just wanted to know the facts about it. I mean, I really did. I was like, why, why were you even in that situation? Sucks that you lost your arm, but you, she didn't lose her arm, but you know what I'm saying? Hey, this guy lost his arm, but he was also like swimming with sharks on purpose and feeding them. You know what I mean? You kind of deserved it a little bit. I completely understand what you mean, but I don't know that it was an important part of the movie because it's about happiness. It was to me. (laughs) (laughs) Number seven, get out in nature. We do this a lot. Uh, Yeah, but you have to remind yourself. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it's not. It's it's. um, I'm I'm excited because we're going to go to a park today, Um, but we kind of took a break and. Every single time we've done it, I have felt like I was on cloud nine. It makes me so happy. But I'm always like, well, why would like it's an easy thing to not do? Yes. I'm very comfortable sometimes at home. Yeah, everything's fine here, but it's oh wow, this is I'm glad that we do this. And it's not like we're going and hiking for four hours. I mean, we go and then we we come back, we're back in like an hour, hour and a half. So it's it's a quick thing. But man, what a difference it makes. I know. Do you have any thoughts on why it makes such a big difference? I think it's just, I think it's something different, not to be punny, but it's, you know, we're here inside, everything's fine. You go out there, you see like, you see nature stuff and it's natural, sort of natural. I mean, we're going to a a park right now that has a boardwalk that wasn't, you know, created by the earth, but it, it's try, it tries to be as, as is the least evasive as it can be. And you get to walk and see that it's peaceful. There's not a bunch of cars going by. There's not a bunch of noise. There's not a bunch of signage everywhere there. You're it's almost central sen, uh sensory sensory underload, ah. you know, over the, you're overloaded with nature, but there's not a bunch like, you know, you've been to times square and there's nothing but advertising everywhere in your face. And then there's people walking everywhere. And then you go to the place we're going to go and you see a bird flying by and you don't hear a car honking and you don't hear and it's cool. You might see a snake, but you know, that's the deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's why being around the trees and um, yeah, I think there's a, a, a harmony that animals um, are very good at maintaining. Most animals seem to know their purpose. They don't really, you know, 
question that too much and in the trees know their purpose and the flowers. And I think it's the harmony. I also um, know that there's, um, I don't know if it's positive or negative ions, but um, like, like the salt water from the beach and the trees, like you're getting um, cleaner, better energy. So I think that there's something measurable there as well. There's no doubt in the, the country of Bhutan has figured it out. Um, their government, their government. Now we talk about ours, we fight about, environmental stuff all the time their government they're creating an environment designed for happiness by preserving their culture and forests so most people are building skyscrapers and big suburbs and shit they've promised to keep 60 percent of its land forest so they really understand the importance of this stuff i mean and i thought it was i thought it's outstanding it was i mean they, they were they could dam up they said they could dam up these rivers and shit and sell a bunch of energy to their neighboring countries. And they decided not to do that because it would displace a bunch of people and it would displace a bunch of, of animals. Right. And they're like, we're not doing that. New Zealand. I'm not sure what their like happiness rank is, but I, I think that they're a pretty happy country. I would imagine. Yeah. And and when we watch that aerial uh, views and, and if I, whenever I've looked at pictures uh, from people that have traveled there, it's incredible. It totally is. Oh. The, um, the other one, this one that was weird for me, it's it they say cohabitate and it goes back to Denmark. And <laughs> we have a whole uh, a whole episode about Haig. And Denmark is always ranked in the top, if not the top happiest country in the world for a number of reasons. Go back and listen to that Haig one. It's a good one. It is a good one. But they um they also, you know, they have a high standard of living there. There's a bunch of reasons. Right. But this one lady, they lived it was almost like a commune, but it wasn't yeah. like you're thinking like a bunch of hippies. I mean, they had a like a building and there was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 families living there. And all these kids liked it because one kid specifically says, well, you know, if I fall down and hurt myself, um, you know, an adult will come help me. It doesn't have to be their parents. It could be like, an, I don't, when it would almost seem like these people never wanted to be by themselves or alone and, and alone in the best way. Not like, oh, I'm alone. No one's here. Like, like no one physically around them. I would not like to live in a place like that with, I don't think it was 20 other families, but I think it was like 10 or 12 other families. And it, it didn't look like they were living like in squalor or anything. They looked, it looked all right, but it was very small. Like the, the personal space they had was small that I would not like. How about you? Yeah, I would like that. I um, often thought about it. You know, I love cohabitating with you. I love, I, I prefer it to living alone. I liked living alone, but I, I find that I'm a little bit happier uh, cohabitating. And I always wanted um, to like live on a kibbutz in Israel. That's like a really good example of of that kind of environment. And people thrived there. It's not so much around anymore, but it was a really cool idea and experiment. And it really helped the country grow. And I love that they also in Denmark, they had like older people, like like grand parent figures mm -hmm. and they were very wise and, and warm and you know maybe they didn't have their own family but they were like um, an extended family an important factor i think is that they were homogenous group so not maybe they all had the same uh taste same values same way of looking at life they looked very similar and i don't know if it would work in a multi-faceted um group maybe it would i lived in a commune and it was, it was really cool. Um, but it probably was the people, but I loved the idea, but the actual, the people that I was living with, I, I wasn't that fond of. I don't, I mean, I love cohabitating with you. That's, but that's not where they're going. I mean, like me and you together, that's no problem. 
they're talking multiple families and multiple people. And I love the idea of having the older, like you mentioned, the like the grandparents, just their just people's different perspective on life in general. I like because you know I I I'm I'm bad about this. Sometimes I get tunnel vision and think, oh well, pretty much the way I think about this is the right way. I try not to be that way. But when you have somebody living basically with you, especially from a different generation, it's nice to get another perspective. I'm not saying you agree with it. I'm not saying you even like it all the time, but it's nice to, oh, that's a different way of looking at something. I do like that. I just can't imagine being around, sharing all the same and having big dinners together every night. That would drive me because there were like 20 of them or something. Although it was kind of nice because they talk about how you would like cook dinner. Like if you cook it for yourself or your family, you're spending like, if you add everything up a couple hours, like by the time you buy the food and cook the food and eat food, they only had to spend like four hours every like few weeks doing it. Cause it was like rotated. So you would have to spend four hours like that day. You would have to cook everybody's meal, but then you wouldn't have to do it for like four weeks, which is kind of cool. Absolutely. And and there was the woman that they were focusing on was a single mother of three and she was saying also that not just with the cost of it, but like the time. So you were only responsible for cooking the meal twice a month. And she said she would come home from work and then she would be able to spend time with her kids and family. And she wasn't stressed or worried. Yeah. And I loved, I love that. And I think that, that it is a great solution, especially if um, the alternative is, you know, struggling and, and being a single mother with three kids, then come together and create a bigger family. And I don't know if it's because I come from a bigger family than you. Maybe I just like, like the idea of a lot of like living with a lot of people. Um, I also love living how I live now, but I can really get on board with that idea. I just think that there's a lot more, um, there's a lot of details in there, you know, and, sure. and, and also they have healthcare and, right. you know, I, I think that they're, there's a number of reasons why they're happy, but we want to go there and, and, uh, you know, make a, make an assessment ourselves. It almost seems like I've never had this desire to go there, but it just seems like we'll watch this movie and they mentioned it. We read the, uh, the high book and it's like, all right, we'll go there in the summer though. I don't want cold shit. The last one is surround yourself with family, family and friends, which is a, that's a pretty obvious topic in a lot of, in a lot of um, books and a lot of, people to make you happier. As long as your family and friends are positive for you. Um, they fic- they focus specifically on an African tribe in Namibia and Nibia and, uh, Maybe. yeah, and they, they still hunt and gather and stuff. So it's like, it, but it's cool. Like you see, you see them raising their, their kids and everything. And it's, they're just, they're, they're basically, they say, take a lesson from this African tribe and spend time with the ones that make you feel as special and loved as you deserve. And I think that that's a, that's some good advice. Yeah, they do. So they um, basically get down to what makes people happy. And that's, that's what this documentary is all about. And if you guys would like to watch it, uh, go ahead. I would, I would rather read about it. If I were you, I would look it up and read about the things that we just talked about because the documentary itself, I wasn't the hugest fan of. Yeah. And, you know, maybe implement some of the things we talked about, or maybe it will just remind you of the things that make you happy. I think there's a lot more than uh, they talked about, but what a great starting point. And also they seem to be a really important uh, film in the shift in how we look at the goal of life. What is the, what is our, what are we here to do? And I do think that at this stage in the development of our society, we have the luxury of 
asking, am I happy and how can I be happier? They were looking at third world countries and saying they were happy. So I, I guess that kind of undermines what I'm saying. Well, I think what's good about what you're saying is that we have the opportunity to, we have the resources to, to find our own happiness mm -hmm. where they don't like if somebody was in, especially in that African tribe, they are happy. A lot of them, but what if, what if you're not right? What are you going to do? You, you're going to, you're just going to be unhappy in your tribe because there's, there's nowhere to go. Right. Right. But you I, don't know anything different either. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I hope that you guys get happy. All right, it's that time in the show. We dig in the old treasure chest. We find out what we're doing, watching, listening to, stuff like that. The stars are aligning. You're taking an astrology course. Yes, and it's not really about the stars. Well, stars are involved. <laughs> yes, so I started my astrology course, and it's really interesting. It's everything that I wanted it to be, and I'm really looking forward to sharing what I learned. I don't have too much right now, but I will say that um, I'm learning about the different elements, fire, air, earth, and water, and how that looks in my chart. And I can help other people figure out how that looks in their chart. And if you're lacking in something, how to cultivate it. And, and each element, it relates to um, different aspects of being a human. So like, for instance, water and in emotions or earth and practicality, fire and like excitability. And it's the class is about discovering your true self, discovering your authenticity and feeding the person that you are specifically how, how to um, cultivate more happiness, really. Um, but by looking at your ch natal chart, it's very cool. And, and the chart that um, I look at is basically what the star, what the stars, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> and the planets, basically what everything looked like at the exact moment you were born. It's really cool because the universe, I guess, I don't know what to call it. Um, our solar system, it looked a certain, like a very specific way at the time of your birth. And it's like, that's you. It's really interesting. And there's like 12 people in my class. It was it was really feeding me um, what I wanted. So I'm excited. Yeah, you're like time stamped when you were born like that. That's exactly. cool. And you know what's ni nice about taking this class for you, I think, or just for anybody that's taken a very voluntary class is it's not like you're in college and you're like, well, got to knock out chemistry 101 because of blah, 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 or I got to take uh, creative writing because in something that you may not be interested in. You get to, you're taking this on your own. So like, you know, you're interested in it. The only apprehension was, is this class going to be good? And so far, so good. Exactly. I'm a mystic, hence mystic pirates. I'm, I'm very interested in, um, in these, what used to be considered esoteric ideas. And it excites me that we're living in a day and age where I can, I mean, I'm in a class with a bunch of people from all over the world and it's one of the best astrologers in the world. And, um, and I'm learning about exactly astrology. And I, I learned about hypnotherapy and those are the things I'm really interested in. So it's really great. I'm glad you're taking it. I mean, you enjoy it. I get to reap the benefits of, you know, you'll be able to read my chart and all that stuff. And you guys, you know, you listeners out there will hear about it too for free. So you get to see, you know, what you learn and that it's going to be cool. That's right. I'm going to be needing to do a lot of readings to get um, my practice in. So 
I'll let you guys know when I'm going to start doing that. So usually we'll talk in the show here and there about stand up and we'll say, oh, you should watch this or don't watch that. Or, hey, this person was good or bad. Or the other thing we're going to two shows. Uh, we've talked about the podcast before. Uh, Jacqueline got me tickets for um, Christmas for John Mulaney, who's coming to town in May, May 14th. And also I got a little surprise at work yesterday. Uh, a friend of mine, Lisa, gave me tickets to Nate Bergazzi with an Uber card and also a University of Michigan Big Ten Championship football t-shirt. And I'm really excited about that. What's funny is when we started kind of watching comedy together, these were a couple of the first guys that I ever saw. I didn't even know who they were. And I loved them. You know, I love both both of them. I just think they're great. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd seen stand-up live really not that much. My mom took me to Jay Leno. I wanted to see him. Uh, I was probably 14, 15. How was it? It was good. Yeah. 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 I liked it. And, um, and I went to a couple shows in Orlando, but these were just like guys. I don't even know who they are. They were just like in a kind of like a hotel bar. And then, um, obviously I've seen Noah, you know, your brother-in-law, my future brother-in-law. And uh, I've never seen Esther live. Oh, that's too bad. You know? She's great. Yeah. So, but so like I haven't, I, I've seen probably really maybe 10 shows live. And, um, and so I was really happy for the gift. Thank you, Lisa. I was happy for the gift. Thank you, mm-hmm. Jacqueline. And uh, I can't wait. So we're going to see some live comedy um, in the next couple months. And I can't wait. And I think that you bring up a good point. And this should have been on the happiness list is having things that you're looking forward to. Lance and I are really big on that. And um, I need it. Me too. And, and I didn't know I needed it until a few years ago. I mean, I just, I probably knew, but didn't know. And it's not even like it, it kind of is a bunch of stuff. So I like looking forward. I know that like this fall we're, we're pl- trying to go to Sedona. I'm looking forward to that. But I also know like in a month or two months, we're going to go see Nate and yes. then we're going to go see John. And then I also like looking forward to like, I'll, I look forward to the weekends all the time. So I'll call you and I'll say, It'll be Monday. I go, Hey babe, I know it's only Monday, but, um, what do you want to do this weekend? I love or, when you do that. Or what would, what are we going to eat? Like yesterday, um, where we hadn't really decided we usually on Sunday, we make a meal and we hadn't decided what we're going to do yet. And I called you and I'm like, what do you want to do? And you're like, whatever you want. I like, okay. And I said, well, I was kind of thinking tacos or fajitas. You're like, I was thinking that too. And she goes, you know, not that you need to think about fa- you, you know, you, she, like you're not here. You said not that you have to, you know, think about fajitas. I'm like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about it, look forward to. So for me, I like small things to look forward to. And then also bigger things as well. It it makes my life kind of better. Absolutely. Now that we have like this routine of watching Jeopardy together, I look forward to that every night. I mean, of course I look forward to seeing you. That's another reason I love cohabitating, you know? Um, and I have little things at work that I look forward to. You're right. Like small and big. And so I think they should have included that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll write our own happiness book. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what we're doing. So you were walking around our neighborhood and the cops were called because you had what appeared to be an ankle bracelet for, okay. For home arrest. For home detainment <laughs> on? I really am. I don't enjoy that. That um, did not happen. But <laughs> but uh, Jacqueline came over to me and she goes, hey, do you like that? This was, a, it was online. It was a picture of it. She hadn't ordered it yet. And uh, 
and we were kind of making fun of it because it it could not really. It's a little little too fashionable to be actually considered a uh, what do they call those home detainment bracelet, whatever An ankle you get, bracelet. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like if you get arrested and you're you know on home confinement, you or can't. I think if you're for drinking. Well, they have those too. Okay. Yeah, and um, and so I said, "Well, are you going to wear that?" And like, not not like out. So you're going to wear it all the time, but wear it. You're like, well, I can go on my wrist or my ankle. And I was like, I want to put it on your wrist because if you look put it on your ankle, you look like a like a criminal. But um, how is that working, and what is it exactly? So it's a device called an Apollo Neuro. So you might know at this point that I'm really into health and wellness, and I am always interested in trying out these new technologies and um, they really make me happy. And I heard about this for months, maybe years, and it takes me a while to pull the trigger, you know, um, like with my sauna and um, now I'm, I I love it. I look forward to it. So this is a device and I, the jury is still kind of out on whether or not it's effective or if I'm, if it's a keeper, but um, you place it on, like Lance said, your wrist or your ankle, and it has these different modes. And it's basically like a, a vibration that is specifically, st- it's, it's scientifically studied and supported um, to enhance a certain mood or feeling. So um, I have it right now on open and social. And when I meditated, I put it on meditation and mindfulness. And then last night I put it on um, like sleep and restore. And I don't know, I think it's working. Um, I'm going to try it for a little bit longer, but the idea is really cool. It's using vibration therapy basically to enhance your, your uh, um, emotional well-being. Feel it. Feel it. Sometimes. We talk about food, and today we're going to talk about food. Food. (laughs) You had a fennel soup that you made, but then you've also made a fennel salad. Yes. Full disclosure, I was hired by the fennel company to start creating recipes. You better give me that fennel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I wanted to make something light and fresh to go with um, our very heavy meal of steak and and uh, lobster and scallops. So I got this vision of a fennel salad. And I basically halved the fennels and I sliced them really thin like you would on those deli, what are they called? The deli slicers? You love it. The mandolin? Yes, um, really thin. And then I took a white onion and I cut that in half and I sliced it really thin. I'm going to let leave the proportions up to you guys, but I used one fennel, half an onion. And then I also used a, uh, one of those smaller boxes of arugula and I used olive oil and lemon, a little bit of salt and pepper. And then um, the thing that really makes it like um, alive is I have this Parmesan cheese, and this is not like regular Parmesan, it's vegan. It's follow your heart, dairy-free cheese, Parmesan. It's a vegan and soy-free. And it's just, I'm, I mean, I'm obsessed with it. It's so good and it's so healthy and it's anti-inflammatory. It's really good for your skin. And I didn't know this, but arugula is an aphrodisiac. Really? Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's probably subtle. 
I don't, I don't like have some arugula. And I'm like, I'll throw some mm. oysters in there, maybe. Enjoy your fennel salad. Come on, get happy. Go out there and find your own happiness. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys.